My intention with all of this is I realize that I've got one life. Every breath is closer to my grave. And if there was a God, I figured, then I want to worship this God. I don't want to wake up on the other side and find out I've, I've, I've lived a lie or I've, I've been living a way that was angering this God and land up in hell or whatever. I don't want to live in hell. But by the same token, if there is no God and there's no real reason to believe in a God, then I'm not going to waste the one life I have praying, giving money, going to church, fasting, doing all these rituals and stuff. Let me, let me live my life. Instead of being in church, I'd rather sit in the park with my children and picnic mm. or I'd rather do some good deed or something. So that's the, the significance of this journey mm. is that you have only one life. And instead of being a coward and saying, uh, it's called Occam's razor, instead of saying, okay, let me worship God just in case he actually exists. No, I want to know. I don't want to believe. I want to know. And that's why I had to embark on this journey to find real answers. Welcome to Something Nice with Dinano. Thank you for joining us. I've got a very interesting, uh, what do I call you, subject interviewee. <clears throat> Isa, Earl, Malcolm, Mustafa, <laughs> Muhammad. No, no, no. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. So it's uh, it's cool. been a while. Yes, but I miss your. Should I say insight or your views on on religion and things like that? And that's the purpose of this this interview because you've got a very Great. interesting background in terms of uh, your beliefs and where you are now. And I just want you to, to, to just give us a, a background story on, on your belief systems, where you come from, up to where you are right now. Okay, so I'll try to give you um, a summary. I was born and raised in Durban. I was born to a Catholic mom and a Seventh-day Adventist father. So I grew up in a home with a mixed faith. Um, my dad uh, was, is a, a Seventh-day Adventist, but not a very staunch one in the sense that he wasn't uh, going to fight with my mom about whether we must be raised Catholic or, 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 or Adventist. And my mom was a very staunch Catholic. In her young days, she wanted to become a nun. And uh, yeah, life took its turns. <clears throat> Anyway, as a result of being in this mixed uh, home, I was exposed to both these faiths. So while I went to catechism and First Holy Communion and confirmation and all the rest, I also was exposed to the Seventh-day Adventist church. And many times I would go to church with my dad and I became very fond of their music, the singing. Mm. And in my late teens, I started singing myself in a gospel quartet. As you know, uh, Seventh-day Adventists have very unique style of gospel music. They have quartets and especially a cappella without instruments. And uh, I loved singing. I still do. I still listen to gospel music. Most people find that amazing because what kind of atheist listens to gospel music? And for me, it's easy. I just separate the issues. Mm. This is my history. <clears throat> I've grown up with it. It's like mother's milk. It's like my traditional food. I'll always love it. And the strangest <clears throat> of Christian or gospel music, because that a cappella music by the heralds is very strange. I usually laugh <laughs> with my wife and say, if I wasn't dating another Adventist, I'm sure the person I'll be dating would look at me strange when I listen to yeah. this country gospel and a cappella yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. But it is very unique. But for yeah. me, I grew up with it and I grew to love it. I love singing and I love harmony. 
and I used to sing bass in the quartet. And then that's how my interest in religion started to grow because we became a bit famous in Durban and we used to go to gospel concerts, which would now included Pentecostal, Baptist, Methodist or whatever. And uh, we would sing at these concerts and there I would get to see how other people worshipped, other Christians. And then I suddenly started to become aware, like a, it was like a light coming on slowly that, okay, but they got different Bibles and they worship differently. This is Pentecostal. They are jumping and singing and clapping. Then the Adventists are very different and the Catholics are very ritualistic. What the hell is going on here? And if you ask them all, they're all God's people. They're all right and the rest are all going to hell. Mm. Ask them. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> and so now that really piqued my curiosity. And I, I would ask questions. So you, basically what you're saying is you're a person who's observant in terms of picking up different behaviors in these people who seem to be believing in the same thing. But in how they conduct themselves, they seem to be conducting themselves differently. Definitely mm. how they conduct themselves, but more importantly, it's the beliefs themselves. Okay. For example, Seventh-day Adventists, a core thing with Seventh-day Adventists is the Sabbath. Mm. The Sabbath is like the be-all and end-all of everything. The commandments, they're very ritualistic, a lot of the Old Testament. Whereas Pentecostals, born-again Baptists will tell you, no, we are under grace now. We don't worry about the Old Testament. Jesus came and done, did away with all of that. The same Jesus who in the Bible himself said, think not that I've come to change the law of the prophets. I've come not to change it, but to fulfill it. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about different behavior. This behavior stems from a difference in beliefs. Mm -hmm. So between the Seventh-day Adventists and the Catholics alone, worship on a Saturday or a Sunday, Adventists are, are, are very vehement that no, Saturday is the right day. It's the Sabbath. You keep it holy. You don't work. Don't do anything. You go to church. And that's it. End of story. So it wasn't just about their practice, but about their actual beliefs. Mm. And then I started asking questions. I've always had a very inquiring mind. How old are you at this stage where you, you, you begin to question and observe the differences in beliefs? I was probably about 18 or so. Okay. <clears throat> and now I'm at the ripe old age of 49. It's all <laughs> over for me. Anyway, but uh, I, I would ask questions, but I couldn't find real answers because, first of all, we, did, we lived in an age there was no Google. If I wanted answers, I had to go to a library. Mm -hmm. It was painful. And then find stayed old information. Mm -hmm. um, I, I remember... Cause but I, when you engage with your fellow family members on, on these issues and these questions... Wouldn't they try to provide answers They too? did, but I could very soon see, even at that tender age, that they didn't have real answers. Mm. The reason is that most of these people were also victims of childhood indoctrination like me. Okay. Nobody was thinking critically. Didn't matter what they were in their careers, but when it came to religion, they switch off and they go to belief. Follow mommy and daddy. If mommy and daddy were Catholic, I'm Catholic. Mommy and daddy are Adventist, I'm Adventist. So okay. I soon realized this is not about truth. This is a geographical accident. If I'm born in Saudi Arabia, chances are I'll be Muslim. If I'm born Don't get in ahead India, of yourself now. We're going to get there. Okay. <laughs> but you said, okay, there was no Google. Yes. So you'd go to a library, you'd find stale information. Yes. And how else did you try to find this information or find these answers to these questions? Well, I tried to uh, inform myself as much as possible by reading as much as I could. I used to visit the University of Natal so much that the security thought I was a student. Mm. They wouldn't even stop me or ask for a card. They just let them open the gate. Because I'd spend all my spare time there in the library searching Reading up on? On religion, all different religions. Because I realized that my parents were simply following their parents. I needed to find real answers. They didn't have the real answers because they were never taught to think critically when it came to religion. So would you say there was a yearning 
a, a spiritual uh, need to satisfy a yearning of some sort because of these questions that were coming up? Or would you say it was a matter of just you trying to find reasonable answers to the questions you had? I'm a reasonable somebody. I mm. wanted real answers. I want the truth, no matter what it is. I will follow evidence wherever it leads me. And unfortunately, religious people want to take the evidence and try and mold it into what they already believe. Mm. And I realize this is not a way to find real answers. You're going to come up with subjective answers which suit what you want to believe. That's mm. not real answers. Mm. So I decided at that point, I was still Christian, but I decided to put my beliefs aside. You know, like you have a position where you adopt a positive position or an against position. I adopted the A position, which was you be stepping agnostic? aside. Say again? Agnostic at that stage. No, no, no. It, you, it was you, almost you. like I just parked my beliefs here. I didn't leave them, but I decided that I'm going to try to academically study mm. these things like you would any other subject yes. to try and find real answers. So besides the library, I started visiting religious people. I okay. spent hours with the, with the Archbishop of Durban. His name was Dennis Hurley, I remember. Mm. Debating and discussing and asking him questions. I spent hours with imams, with rabbis, with pastors, visiting people because that was another problem I realized. Mm. If you ask a priest about Islam, he's going to give you nonsense answers. If you ask an imam about Judaism, he's going to promote Islam. Mm. I mean, and, and imam he, is Islam. Um, and, and a rabbi, a rabbi would be, yes, uh, a yeah, Jewish. Jewish yeah. So I, re, I, I realized I needed to go to the source. And so I started visiting all these people. And I was so desperate to be objective because I realized how subjective everyone was. No one was searching for real answers. That I spared no effort. Do you know that I actually went to search for the prophet Shembe? Mm. Have you heard of Shembe? Yeah. Interesting. Because In, yes. they also worship on the Sabbath, right? Yes. But it's an African Christian mm. religion. Mm. And it's, uh, uh, it's mostly found in KZN. Mm, mm. And I remember I had a little motorcycle and I went into the mountains of Inanda mm. searching for the Prophet Shembe. Mm. I got up to this village where they stopped me and said, you have to take your shoes off now, it's holy ground. And then someone led me barefoot in the dust. It sounded like a movie. To the hut where there was like a guard outside his hut. And I said, I'm here to see the Prophet. Mm. And they said, uh, no, you can't see him. He's ill today. So I didn't end up actually seeing him, but that was the extent to which I was desperate and sincerely trying to find real answers. And, and that's what I did. Between reading and studying at the university, I uh, met with people who claimed to believe these things to see if I could find real answers. <clears throat> so in this journey, what did you want to find out? What did you want to satisfy your, your need for seeking answers what was the Look, end goal? I figured, I figured, never mind whether you believe or not or what you believe, we've got one life. I don't know if there's a life after death. I still don't know. I don't believe because I don't see evidence to believe. But if someone showed me real evidence tomorrow, I'd believe it. I'd, I've looked at all the evidence religious people give, for, give forward and I'm like, mm -mm, there's not real evidence, not by my standards. It's, it's got holes in it. Okay. My intention with all of this is I realize that I've got one life. Every breath is closer to my grave. And if there was a God, I figured, then I want to worship this God. I don't want to wake up on the other side and find out I've, I've, I've lived a lie or I've, I've been living a way that was angering this God and land up in hell or whatever. I don't want to live in hell. But by the same token, if there is no God and there's no real reason to believe in a God, 
then I'm not going to waste the one life I have praying, giving money, going to church, fasting, doing all these rituals and stuff. Let let me live my life. Instead of being in church, I'd rather sit in the park with my children and picnic Mm. or rather do some good deed or something. So that's the the significance of this journey Mm. is that you have only one life. And instead of being a coward and saying, uh, it's called Occam's razor, instead of saying, okay, let me worship God just in case he actually exists. No, I want to know. I don't want to believe. I want to know. And that's why I had to embark on this journey to find real answers. Okay, there there are four things that I've just picked up. You spoke of reason, spoke of belief, actually three, reason, belief, and good deeds, which we can link to morals. Right. But I would want us to engage on those things yes. a little bit further into the interview. Now, when you are approaching these, these leaders, religious leaders, imams, the shembe leader, <clears throat> uh, the archbishop, whoever, wasn't even one of them satisfying your, your need for understanding in this regard? No, uh, because they are all people of faith. Faith is something that religious people boast about. They are proud of it. They speak of it as this wonderful thing. I have come to realize, and for me, and for many other uh, atheists or agnostics even, people who don't believe in (coughs) magical creatures or Mm. however you want to call it, (coughs) faith is not only not good, it's a very bad thing. I see faith as an evil thing. What (coughs) is faith? Faith is the suspension of your reasoning faculties in favor of whatever your parents taught you to believe. Faith is what got those guys to fly those planes into buildings and kill many people. Mm. Faith is what causes people to hang other people in Islamic countries because of their natural sexual orientation because they're gay. Mm. They killed them Mm. or stone a woman to death because she's accused of adultery. Faith has resulted in more death than anything uh, else in, in the history of human beings. <clears throat> the wars fought over because my God is better than your God. Mm. And my God is going to save me and, and protect us and, and all of that jazz. So no, I realize that faith is a terrible thing because everywhere else we don't use faith. You go to a doctor not because of faith. You sit in his office, you look at the certificate on his wall. You know, you see all those letters behind his name mm. and you have peace of mind. This guy studied. He knows what he's talking about. Same when you go in a plane. You don't go there with faith that the pilot... No, you know that guy studied. He's a pilot. And the same with with, with the surgeon, the same with going up in a high-rise building. You trust the science. So everywhere we trust science, but when it comes to the most important thing, what's the point of life? Then we switch off reason and we say, no faith. We'll just follow mommy and daddy. What's this? But there are instances, talking about science and scientists now, where doctors say, look, we have done everything we could have done medically. Okay. We had given up medically. We didn't know what to do. But we can tell you now something beyond what we can make sense of saved this person. Yeah. And they would say they pin that on their faith in whoever, God, whatever you might call it. That's Haven't not, you heard such instances? Of course I've heard that, but there's no, there's no evidence of that. Mm. So this is what religious people do. When you get to a point where your reason is exhausted or where science is exhausted, then you say, ah, it's God now. 
Who says so? What could it be then? No, it could be nothing. It could be a, something you don't understand. It could be a coincidence. It could be a, it could be it could be random. It could the, be God. Could, could it? Then let's prove it. <laughs> if God is there, we must prove it. We mustn't only talk about things like like that. Where it's still a big question mark. Who says it's God? Why must we believe it's God? Mm. You must the, 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 you must remember the onus is on people who believe in God. Mm, I I can't say to you I believe there's a teapot in the sky. You can't see it, but p- disprove it. What's that? It's you who come with the magical claim of this guy, whether it's in the sky or this powerful being that's all loving and all merciful and all kind. The same one that lets little children die of cancer. Other little children get raped. Children die of starvation every year. Millions of them. This loving God that you believe in, you believe in him. And I'm saying, what evidence is there for him besides the fact that that's what you were taught as a child? I don't see the evidence. Let's carry on with your journey. We're going to come to to your uh, issues Okay. With, with faith and belief. Okay. Let's carry on with your journey because I know it doesn't end with Christianity. Yes. <laughs> so carry on. <laughs> so Sounds like you're preaching now already. <laughs> yeah. They call me the atheist pastor. That's fine. You know, my I, I just want to make a difference. I found the world a very superstitious place. Whether it's culture or religion or whatever, people will believe all manner of nonsense because it's what they were taught. And I just want to leave the world knowing I'm a Mr. Nobody, but I want to make a little impact that I've tried to make people at least think. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to become atheists. Mm-hmm. Just think for yourself. Stop following. Carry so, on. You went so, to all these so, religious leaders. So, so yeah. my journey le- then led me to uh, searching through all these religions and I stumbled across Islam. Mm-hmm. By then I was about 20 or 21. And at that age, of all the faiths that I had uh, been exposed to, and all the information that I had understood, Islam made the most sense to me. What, what was it about Islam that, that made sense? Well, in order to leave Christianity, obviously, I first got to study the Bible in depth and I got to understand that it's totally man-made. Mm. There are versions of the Bible and they are different. Anyone who tells you um, otherwise is either a liar or ignorant. They, I can show you these things. There are different versions of the Bible. And they are yeah, so... Yeah, we know. Different translations. So, and they no, so no, different no. Translation from, is, from each other. You know, version is different to translation. Is it? Translation means I use this word when I translate into English or Zulu or whatever and you use that word. Mm-hmm. It's a variant in translation. Okay. Version is the Catholic Bible is 73 books. Okay. The Protestant Bible, your King James Bible, your New International Bible, that's 66, 66 books. Yes. Mm. Seven books, the Protestants said, ah, we throw it out. And then there's the Coptic Bible, which is about 88 books. Exactly. So who, who, who's playing this game? Mm-hmm. Putting books in, putting things The out. Catholic. Well, the Jews. I'm not going to get in that debate. I'll let you religious people argue about that. <laughs> but you know, Even, why are you trying to stay no, away from that no, no, debate? No, 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 because it's you not know. my fight. It's not my fight. But it's, it's not anyone's fight. We're just stating facts here. The and fa- as, a, as a reasoning and a rational person, you, you, you deal with facts, don't you? Why are you trying I'm to stay away from this? No, no, no. Issue? I'm saying it's all nonsense. Whether it's the Protestant Bible, the Catholic Bible, or the Coptic Bible, whichever one, they're all man-made, written by fallible men, cobbled together in dark rooms in the dark ages. You don't know where it comes from. There are verses, the scholars playing games with it. Okay. Verses okay. that have been taken out of the Bible, this Bible put back in Fine. that Bible. Okay. It's in footnotes. It's a dog's So man is fallible. So, say again? Man is fallible, right? Yeah, but then okay. don't call Let's it God's on. word. No, no, Don't call it God's word. Call it man's word. I'm going somewhere <laughs> with this, but carry on. Okay, okay, so you find Christianity or the book that Christians believe in to be a ridiculous book with so yes. many versions and translations yes. that, that gave you the impression that this is man-made. Mm-hmm. 
it gave me the evidence that this is man-made, yes. Okay, okay. So at that point, I, I decided to become Muslim. I was maybe 21. I was young and that was the best knowledge. So it's I fair had. to say your, three, your, 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 your Christian journey of trying to find out and, and really uh, investigate and research lasted for about three years. From around 18 Probably, to yes. about 21. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the differences was, if you understand the Quran, the Quran is a lot more consistent within itself. You won't find versions of the Quran uh, floating around. You won't find absurdities in the Quran like you'd find in the Bible. I mean, you'll find the most bizarre things. Just to Give us examples of those absurd absurd things in the Bible things you'd find in the Bible. for example in the old testament there is a there are verses which talk about if two men are fighting and the wife of the one man grabs the testicles of the other guy mm. to stop him from attacking mm. her her husband you should cut off her hand mm. what is this what is it doing in the word wouldn't of God? Wouldn't you want to cut off someone's hand if they grab you by the testicles? Hey, wouldn't man, you want to do that? Your, uh, wouldn't you want to no, do that? It's your wife. If someone is Listen hurting me, you, it's your wife who's saving you because I'm trying to kill you. And in order to save you, she's trying to weaken me so she grabs my, my oh, oh, testicles. My wife your that. wife trying okay. to save you. <laughs> and then God says, cut off her hand. What is that? In the same Old Testament, you'll find verses that talk about how to kill your son. There were verses where God instructed the, the Jews, the Israelites, mm, mm. that if you have a son in Deuteronomy, if you have a son who is a drunkard mm. and he's disobedient, you and the elders of the city should take him to the, to the outskirts of the city and stone him to death. You know, if now can be, you imagine if we would, took that advice and, and, and followed it would it today? be nice if you gave proper reference. Uh, do you have actual... Uh, probably that one is probably Deuteronomy 28, verse 30, if, I, if my memory serves me. Yeah, Deuteronomy talks a lot about, is, is, is the, the issue about testicles also in Deuteronomy? No, that one I don't okay. know. But okay. what, what, what the audience could simply do is, whatever I'm saying. Oh, yes, you can Google search. Google it, yes, yes, and yes. you'll get the verses. Okay. Yeah, it's there. Okay. Trust me, I'm not making this stuff up. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's it, one that you raised with me, actually. I don't know if it was you or Mo. I think it was you, about... Well hung men hung like donkeys, yeah, and that kind of brother. stuff. And I was, I was thinking about it while wow. I was driving. I'm thinking maybe the the the, the Bible should be a PG absolutely type of if book. I, if if we had any sense in this country, we'd ban mm. it. Mm. It's pornography. Mm. Ezekiel chapter 23. The whole chapter is about the sexual exploits of these two sisters. Mm. And they go into such details talking about men with genitals like donkeys and with emissions like horses and women and they, how they fondle these women's breasts is disgusting. No self-respecting Christian will read this to their child. Mm. From the good book. Imagine if you say, I'm going to read my child a bedtime story from the Bible. You think there's a good person. Read. I challenge but them. Wouldn't read. you say... Chapter 23 that's is a, secure. That's a, a reflection of, of, of humanity and human nature. We are these dynamic beings who are into sex as much as maybe you are into other things. <laughs> so why would you then Okay, say, I have two problems with that. <laughs> One is that this is supposed to be the word of God. Mm. It's supposed to be God speaking through human beings. There has to be a point. There's even verses in the Bible that say all scripture is for either, I can't, I'm paraphrasing. Edification. Yes, edification, education, or whatever. Now, what's the point of these disgusting verses? And why won't you hear this in any church? Mm. Why have you never heard this from a pulpit? Mm. Any preacher preach this. Why? Okay. Because it's disgusting. The parents will stand up with their children and walk out of the church. True. 
True. And the question is, what is it doing in the word of God? Mm. That's why if you say it's just a book written <sighs> by human beings, fallible human beings, fine. But the minute you want to say it's the Holy Bible, the Holy Word of God, then I got a problem. What is this doing there? What's the education? What's the benefit showing this porn to children? And you know it's problematic. That's why you don't read it to your kids. That's why they hide it. They either don't know or they hide it. Okay. According to your reasoning now, these were the main issues or some of the issues that made you realize that this is nonsense. Yes. What was it about the Islamic religion that put it on a higher pedestal for you than Well, as I said, uh, Islam claimed to be the completion of the work of, of Christ. Um, Muslims also believe in Jesus, but not that he's God. Prophet. He's a prophet. Mm. And he's the second to last prophet before the prophet Muhammad. So... To my 21-year-old self, you must remember also the Quran is in Arabic and it's translated into English. So immediately there's a barrier between mm, uh, people who are not Arabs. And even for Arabs themselves, it's not normal Arabic. It's what's called classic Arabic mm. or classical Arabic. It is a very high level of Arabic. So many Arabs themselves find themselves with the barrier to, mm -hmm. to understanding in great depth. Do it would be like the King James Version for, for English speakers, right? Yes. More old school. Yes, these and thous. Yes, yes. And so on. So it was a lot harder for me to find the cracks within Islam. But after many years of... Is it not translated uh, into, English. into English? It is. Oh, it okay. is translated. But to get to the, the essence of the issues, you have to deal with a lot of Arabic. I lived in the Middle East. I learned Arabic and, and, and Persian. And it was only through the process of lots of study and research and digging that I was able to unearth the challenges within Islam are a lot more hidden than those within Christianity. What were some of those? Well, they claim that the Quran was, was, uh, was, was never changed. Mm, that's not quite so according to my reading and, and learning and understanding. Mm. There are other things Muslims will brag about, for example, that the Quran is a very scientific book. It has lots of science in it. Uh, I discovered back at the ranch that's not quite so. The Quran itself has, uh, uh, for example, off the top of my head, there's a verse in the Quran that speaks about the sun setting in a pool of murky water. Even a six-year-old in grade uh, one knows that uh, that's not scientific. Mm. And there are many other scientific flaws. Which but was was not that contextual? Uh, if if you're sitting by by the sea or by a dam that has murky water, obviously if the sun is setting. By the horizon Again, to look like that. So it, was that not contextual? If Even with, with Christianity? No. Were you not? No, no, no. If it's man's book, that's fine. Remember, mm. this is all claiming to be God's books. Mm. God don't make mistakes. God don't, he's not affected by time like us. He didn't need a telescope to know things or a microscope to know the things that we know now. God is all knowing, remember? Mm. That's the God you, you, you believe in, Muslims believe in. And so this is his book. And Muslims will even tell you that the Quran was dictated to the Prophet Muhammad and as revelation. Mm. He, that's what he received. And he was basically regurgitating whatever he received. So it's not him. He was only the vessel through which. Now, when you say that, now we have a big problem. Mm. God cannot not know that the sun does not set in a pool of water. Mm -mm. But it's totally consistent with Arabs of 1400 years ago who didn't know where the sun went at night who didn't know that the earth is actually this little blue planet floating in space or Christians of a thousand years or 2000 years ago who thought that the sky was a canopy uh, and, and didn't know that we're floating in space. They didn't know about gravity. They didn't know about uh, the centrifugal forces. So 
it's consistent with the kind of uh, 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 ancient thinking, simple thinking of humans of that era. Mm. But we now know better. So these kinds of things, you would expect that if the Quran is really the word of God, you wouldn't find these kinds of errors and problems in it. But unfortunately, they are there. And Muslims, like Christians or Jews, most of them, they don't know their own religion. They just regurgitate whatever mommy and daddy taught them. They go to madrasa, they go to the mosque, they pray, and they think, oh, wonderful, that's it. They're not actually thinking critically when it comes to religion. Now, I under my understanding is that you are a dedicated is, uh, Muslim. Muslim, yes. I, I, I was on the path of becoming an imam. Okay. I, in fact, became a deputy imam of a mosque here in Johannesburg. See, sometimes you get so excited with what's wrong with these religions. You're not telling the whole story of your, I don't want to say transformation, but of your journey. Yes. So at 21, <laughs> you got into to the Islamic <laughs> religion. Yes. Never mind about what was wrong with it. Tell us about the journey sure. in Islam so I, I and then, how, how, how it made you feel, how it fulfilled it was, your need back then. Absolutely it fulfilled because it was a lot more, I felt a lot more at peace intellectually with what I believed because it seemed consistent. I started working for an Islamic center in Durban as a propagator of Islam. Mm. So my job was, um, this center that I worked for was in the center of Durban in the town and it was across the road from the largest mosque in the Southern Hemisphere. So I was a tour guide. That was my title. So what would happen is, because it was the largest mosque in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, tourists would come there uh, from all over the world, the UK, US, whatever, in busloads. And they would call Isa in my long flowing garb with my big beard and a topi on my head. You need to show us those photos. Yes. By <laughs> the way, Isa is... Jesus. In Arabic. In Arabic. Okay. Yes. Interesting. I chose that name because of my then newfound understanding of Jesus, that he's not God or the Son of God, he's just a prophet of God. Mm. So they would call me as the tour guide to take the tourists to the mosque. And I would take them there, but with a very clear Jesus agenda. to tell people that Jesus is not <laughs> the Lord and the Savior. Lord that you think he is. Yeah, yeah, he's another Jesus. And so I would take them there, and I remember I would stand there in front of the maybe 50, 60, 70 people and welcome them, take your shoes off, come into the mosque, sit down. And then give them a bit of information, a brief bit of information about the mosque itself. That the mosque was built in this uh, time by so-and-so and this is the architectural you know, highlights or whatever. And then I would start, did you know we Muslims also believe in Jesus? <laughs> and that would be my inroad. Many religious Christians didn't know that, mm. that Muslims believe in Jesus. And then I would explain the Islamic view of Jesus and why we believe that he's not God, not the son of God, didn't die for anyone's sins, and he was not crucified mm. this would obviously be horrifying to many Most of the people sitting yes. there mm. it would result in lots of discussion and debate and i was on a very steep learning curve sometimes there was priests in that audience or, or rabbis or pastors or whatever so it was hectic were there any interesting questions or questions that you found it hard to deal with that that would come from the floor from those christians or those rabbis sure at the time can like, you think of any yeah like uh, asking me deep questions about the quran where would the quran come from because now because they didn't have answers for my questions as about the bible they would deflect and throw mm -hmm. it back at me mm -hmm. like a diversion tactic mm -hmm. make it about you i was 21 i had just become muslim i was learning so much about the religion myself. There was lots that I didn't know. So those were challenging, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. But whatever I didn't know, I would then immediately go and f research and find out and try to find the answers so that I wouldn't get caught. Was there anyone in that period that, that, that had a strong defense uh, for Christianity and Christ's lordship? No. 
Okay. Because you must remember, by that point, for me, the Bible had been dismantled as the word of God. Once you do that, that's a pillar of your faith. Mm -hmm. If I can prove to you that the Bible is not the word of God, mm -hmm. then the whole religion falls down. And where did this dismantling, did it come from you being a Muslim or was it during that three-year journey? It was during the three-year journey. Okay. How I discovered Islam was that there was an old man in Durban who worked at that same center. He was the founder of that center called the Islamic Propagation Center International. His name was Ahmed Didat. He's now late. Mm. And he used to go around the world debating religious people, mostly Christians. There's even a famous debate on YouTube. You can find it. Mm. The subject of the debate between him and Jimmy Swaggart. We'll link that in is, the description. Mm. The subject is, is the Bible God's word? Interesting. And that was the debate which I watched. It was still VHS then. Mm. Uh, I was sitting at a friend's house and his brother was reading the paper and he said to me, hey, check this. this you interested in religion? Why don't you go get this debate? And I went and I got the debate and I watched it and I was horrified that this swaggart had basically uh, um, disappointed me and he had let my Jesus down and I was so angry. The next day I went to the center to go and find that didat to try and talk to him myself because I felt swaggart was a waste of time. T take it easy on Jimmy. Maybe they found him in a... <laughs> A time of need, man. You know, in a <laughs> topless, in a dodgy with, hotel. with a couple of women around, <laughs> and he wasn't thinking straight because Shame. he was thinking with his other head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shame, poor Jimmy. Okay, anyway. so this this guy managed to convince you that Christianity is not the one. This Islam. Yeah, and that's Islam. how I became Muslim. <clears throat> okay. I then uh, my ex-wife and I were on the Felicia Mabusa show. Mm. She was doing a show. Felicia Mabusa is a South African TV yeah, personality. Top, top show, yeah. Host. And she had a show back then called the Felicia Mabusa Show. This was in the early 90s. So Felicia was doing a show on intercultural marriages. And there is this practice still today in many parts of the world where a non-Muslim woman will become Muslim so that she can marry the guy. Because Muslims are not supposed to marry non-Muslims. Okay. So she doesn't actually care about the religion, know much about it. She'll just put a scarf on, change her name to Fatima or whatever, and... So that she can be accepted and she can marry the guy. So Felicia thought that my ex-wife had become Muslim because of me like that. Mm -hmm. Unbeknown to her, she, someone, she's a smart someone. Mm -hmm. And she had uh, uh, thought about and questioned the issues herself. Mm -hmm. And she decided, yes, I was the one who had exposed her to it. But she was thinking for herself. So she thought she was going to embarrass us and expose her for being spineless on national TV. And she got the shock of her life because she basically uh, uh, exposed Felicia's uh, dodgy agenda. Mm. She spoke so much that Felicia actually told her on live TV. She said, okay, but now can you just shut up and give him a chance to talk? <laughs> <laughs> should, so, should we be able to find that one online, that interview? I don't know. Okay. I'd love to. Okay. So, uh, as I said, it's like a movie. Mm. There was an Iranian scholar who had recently then come to South Africa uh, who was watching the show at home. And he was fascinated at this couple because my ex was also Christian. She was a Pentecostal, born again. So we had both become Muslim and they were fascinated with us. So he found the, the, the producers of the show and got hold of us. And through that, we met him. And that resulted in us ultimately becoming Shiite Muslims, which is different to the Muslims you see around here. The majority are Sunni Muslims. Mm -hmm. It's like Catholic and Protestant. Okay. The majority here. Which ones are hardcore? 
Uh, you the get Shiite. hardcore. You know, you get hardcore in both sects. Okay. okay. But the majority are Sunni, which is ninety uh, percent of the Muslim world is Sunni. Ten mm. percent are are Shiite. Shiite are the ones that go around. Okay. Bombing people they might have to <laughs> took this one out. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. On the contrary, as I said, you get extremists in all sects. Mm, mm. The people who, the people who bombed the the World Trade Center were not Shiites. Were Sunnis. They were Sunnis. Okay. I, I believe so. Mm-hmm. so. You believe? <laughs> okay. Carry on. I think. I think so. <laughs> He's a believer. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, so where was I? Belief, your belief, <laughs> things yeah. you believe. <laughs> no, I, I just lost. I, I just no, lost no. The Iranian guy yes. got and hold that's of how we got Felicia to Mabuza, So people. I went there to go and study. Okay, and Became it Shiat. was in the process of studying that I eventually. Tristan's busy. Sorry, you have to edit that yeah, out. Yeah, fine. Um, it was in the process that I uh, uh, started. Uh, I, be, I was studying to be become an imam. I first learned the language. I had to go to school. I mean, while all my friends were here pursuing careers or whatever, I was sitting doing phonetics in a in a in a class saying ah eh oh ba be bo, learning to speak the language Arabic. That is uh, Persian. Oh, Persian. Uh, okay. Because I was in Iran, Persia, ancient Persia. Okay. That's what it's called, Iran, modern day. Mm. So um, that journey led me uh, to live in a place called Qom, which is like the Vatican of Iran where all the mullahs are made. Those are imams. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't happy as I progressed. I wasn't happy with the course that they had there. I didn't think it was suitable for Africa. But now it was a, like a university where that was their course. So what was it about the course that you figured wasn't suitable for Africa? And why was it important for you remember to have it to be suitable for Africa? The, the, the focus of certain things was too much for for. Uh, communities which didn't have African issues, like the levels of poverty, ignorance, and lack of education in Africa versus other places, it needed to be more tailor-made. And so you that... You Africa is more ignorant than other parts of the world. When I swear, when, well, actually not ignorant, maybe lack of education, education yeah. as a result of poverty and yeah, those yeah. kinds of yeah. social ills. But mm-hmm. ignorance, you're right, yeah. is the world <clears throat> over. Yeah. Uh, and so my options were either to leave and come mm-hmm. home, okay. or... To work and study part-time. How long had you been there for you to come to that point now? Uh, about a year. Okay. So it, I then decided, no, I want to stay. So we, we, my, my ex is a journalist. And so we got jobs in the foreign broadcasting section of their national broadcaster, which is called Sedar Sima, mm. as radio announcers. Okay. And in that part of the world, if English is your mother tongue, you're like a professor. <laughs> You know, you speak better English than people who come out from university with mm-hmm. d- degrees. It's like in China, if you're white and you speak English, you're like... Yeah, you're great. A professor. <laughs> Absolutely. And so on that strength, we started working. Well, she studied journalism. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, we started working in the uh, broadcasting corporation, doing news reading. I created a program mm-hmm. uh, called Peter and Fatima, which was a westernized uh, Westerner, a male, and a Muslim woman. It was a dialogue I created where she would inform him about different issues pertaining to Islam in a way to educate people about Islam. Um, so we would uh, do news reading. She then got a show on TV and uh, interviewing diplomats. And it was, it was, we were doing great, but then we were now losing sight of the goal, which was to further our studies of Islam. Mm-hmm. And that then resulted in us eventually getting <laughs> khatfall and deciding that, look, we're failing here. 
um, to come back home. But I then worked... At that stage, were you picking up issues that you were not happy with, with the religion? Or was it just a matter of maybe being homesick and thinking, you know, the main reason we came here for is not really coming no, to fruition? They, they were, but it was again... Like a like a real stat, like a light slowly coming on that there's some issues. For example, I mean, changing religion it's a massive thing. Mm. And at the age of 21, when I became Muslim, I mean, it was huge. And I decide I slowly started questioning and thinking. Mm, I need to go back to the drawing board, starting with the very existence of God. Mm. Why God versus no God? Why believe instead of no belief? Have I really exhausted that? Then the major issue that, I, that, that became, became increasingly an issue for me was the justice of God, the misery that you see in the world. Where's the love? Where's God's love and justice? And he's supposed to be all-powerful and merciful and just, but he allows the world to, 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 to be the I way. I think that's, that's one of the things I struggle with, yeah. poverty and especially the poverty of Africa, slavery and all that nonsense. Where's God, man? Amen. Where's God, God, man? Absolutely. Mm. And uh, uh, religious people have all manner of cop-outs, which, again, just because someone gives you an answer doesn't mean it makes sense. Mm. Doesn't mean you buy it. They have all manner of cop-outs to try and worm their way out of these things. But for me, it's inexcusable, and that alone is enough to walk away. If that's your God, I don't want him, thank you, that allows all these evils. Nope, I'm out.